The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Let's talk about baseball. Welcome, everyone. Happy Tuesday. It's your host, Daniel Port, here to fill you in on all the action from Monday's baseball. There were a couple major league debuts. There were some first career home runs for some players. It was just a really fun hitter Monday. Not so much on the pitching side, but we'll dive right into it and we'll take a look here. First, let's start, though, with the injuries news and notes. The Pittsburgh Pirates were called Jack Suwinitsky from AAA and optioned Bly Madris down in his place. And the Chicago Cubs played pitchers. Adrian Sampson and Justin Steele on the restricted list as Chicago heads up into the Arizona Diamondbacks have selected the contract of their number one prospect outfielder uh, Corbin Carroll, optioning Jordan Luplo and Tyler Holton down to AAA Reno. They also reinstated Caleb Smith from the 15-day injured list. For the Los Angeles Dodgers, they recalled right-handed pitcher Michael Grove to take uh, the place of Tony Gonsolin, who was put on the 15-day injured list with a form injury. It's expected he'll miss probably around 15 days. The New York Yankees optioned Luke Bard to AAA and reinstated right-handed pitcher Clay Holmes from the 15-day injured list as well. For the Baltimore Orioles, Grayson Rodriguez will report to High A Aberdeen on Thursday to begin a rehab assignment. For the Boston Red Sox, Eric Hosmer has resumed swinging as he attempts to come back from a back injury, and Tanner Houck will throw a live batting practice at AAA today as he attempts to also come back from a back injury. For Chicago Cubs, Adbert Alzale struck out six and allowed one earned run on one hit and two walks over two innings in his rehab start Saturday with AAA. For the Los Angeles Angels, Michael Lorenzen is feeling strong following his last rehab start, but he might be asked to pitch in one more minor league game before coming off the 60-day injured list. For the Los Angeles Dodgers, Blake Trinan is expected to make his final rehab appearance for AAA Oklahoma City uh, today before being reinstated from the 60-day injured list on Friday. And then for the Miami Marlins, Trevor Rogers appears on track to return from the 15-day injured list to start Wednesday's home game against the Rays as he has recovered from his back injury. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, Rowdy Telez is day-to-day after leaving Monday's game against the Pirates due to right knee discomfort. For the Minnesota Twins, Bailey Ober is scheduled to begin a rehab assignment with single-A Fort Myers on Thursday as he comes back from a groin injury. And Byron Buxton will not travel with the team for its upcoming road trip, but could join later on if he shows enough improvement as he is working his way back from a hip injury. Finally, Tyler Molle threw a bullpen session and a couple simulated innings on Monday as he is recovering from a shoulder injury. And Jorge Polanco did not start Monday's game against the Reds. He's listed as day-to-day with a kneecap injury. 
For the New York Yankees, Nestor Cortez is scheduled to throw a bullpen session Wednesday and then live batting practice on Saturday as he's dealing with a groin issue that put him on the injured list. And Marwin Gonzalez went on the paternity list. Congratulations, Marwin. Hope everything goes well. Luis Severino is expected to make his first minor league rehab start on Friday as he comes back from a lat injury. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, Sir Anthony Dominguez was cleared to play catch on Monday uh, as he's recovering from a triceps injury. And Nick Castellanos is listed as day-to-day with an undisclosed injury. For the San Francisco Giants, Joey Bart is listed as day-to-day with an undisclosed injury. And Brandon Belt will get a second opinion on his injured knee on Tuesday. And finally, Evan Longoria did not start Monday's game against the Padres as he is day-to-day with a hamstring issue. They expect he'll just need a couple days of rest. For Seattle Mariners, Matthew Boyd generated a pair of one-inning, two-strikeout scores efforts for AAA Tacoma on Friday and Sunday. For Tampa Bay Rays, Tyler Glass now faced AAA hitters in live batting practice Sunday and is expected to repeat the activity again Wednesday before beginning a rehab assignment. Finally, for the Toronto Blue Jays, Nate Pearson will throw live batting practice on Wednesday. So that is the news and notes for Monday. But there were a couple of hitters that I felt were fantasy relevant that caught my eye that I wanted to point out throughout yesterday's action. Starting with the Cardinals, Lars Newbar went one for five with a walk and two runs scored in an RBI. Newbar, I've brought him numerous times, has been really fantastic over the last 30 days. He's got five home runs, hitting 283 with a 958 OPS. Actually, if you look at his full season long numbers, they're just really remarkable. He's got a 14.9% walk rate on the season with just a 21.2% K percentage. He's gotten his OPS all the way up season long to 817. And just to take a look at his August numbers, he's hitting 289 on the month with a 171 WRC plus. He's walked more than struck out with an 18.4% walk rate and a 14.9% uh, strikeout rate. And he's actually uh, barely in the ball at a really solid 13.3% rate with a 49.3% hard hit rate and a 91.8 mile per hour exit velocity to go along with 11.6 degree launch angle. So he's hitting incredibly well. He's getting on base like crazy, which is what you want out of a leadoff hitter. He's actually not as widely rostered as you would expect. So go pick up uh, Lars Newbar if he's out there before it is too late. Albert Pujols went two for four with a home run, two runs scored, and and two RBIs. Pujols as, is having a magical August and is just one of the best stories of the season as he chases 700 home runs. And he's pulling it off in a really remarkable fashion. He's in the ball in the air 47.8% of the time in the month, uh, 63% pull percentage. He's barreling the ball 17.4% of the time with a 56.5% hard hit rate and 93.8 mile per hour exit velocity and an 18.6 degree launch angle. It just absolutely... I, ideal stack cast numbers here. But actually, I want to point my esteemed colleague Scott Chu was pointing out that really the biggest thing Pujols is excelling against is he's pulling fly balls against left handed pitchers that tend to be fly ball pitchers and give up a lot of home runs. And so, obviously, the question is will he be facing more of those? Today, he faces a right handed pitcher, but tomorrow, he faces a lefty in Mike Miner who has given up 2.15 home runs per nine and has a 46.9% fly ball percentage. He should be in a really nice situation on Wednesday, and you should keep an eye out anytime he's going to face a lefty who gives up a lot of fly balls and home runs. Corey Dickerson went three for five with a home run, two runs scored, and an RBI and a walk. Over his last seven games, he's been fantastic. He's hitting 552 with an 828 slugging percentage with a home run over that time period. He's doing what Corey Dickerson does. He's absolutely mashing against right-handed pitching and is just looking fantastic doing it. If you look at his number, throughout uh, August. He's hitting 458 on the month. Just absolutely crushing the ball. He's got five doubles and a home run and a triple. He's been a 220 WRC plus hitter over that time period. So he's had a fantastic month of August and is red hot. 
He faces a right-handed pitcher today, and then they go to face the Cubs in the next series, who three out of their five starters are right-handed pitchers. Then it's on to Washington, who five of their six current starters in their rotation are right-handed pitchers. And then finally they go to Pittsburgh, which are all right-handed pitchers in their rotation as well. Over the next 12 games or so, Corey Dickerson's going to be a really great place to succeed. I really highly recommend picking him up if you need outfield help. For the Blue Jays, Danny Jansen hit his 11th home run, uh, going two for five with four RBIs and that home run. He's actually been really good over his last seven games in 292. The 400 OBP and a 583 slugging percentage. We all remember when he got super hot at the beginning of the year and uh, got most of our fantasy teams through April and May. But Jansen's got legit power so far, it seems, this season. And when you actually count, because he's been injured on and off throughout the whole season, he has 11 home runs and 153 plate appearances. That's really good. 118 WRC plus at catcher could be really useful as well. Now he's splitting catcher with Alejandro Kirk, so he won't get everyday playing time. But a catcher, you don't necessarily need a catcher to play every day. You just need it to be most days, and you need to be productive when you play. And Danny Jansen could definitely get that done, especially from a power perspective there in Toronto. For the Pirates, Rudolfo Castro went one for four with his fifth home run on the season. Castro's been very good over his last seven games. He's got two home runs, hitting 333 uh, with a 385 OBP and a 625 slugging percentage. He's actually been hitting solidly for almost a month now. As over his last 15 games, he's hitting 327 with a 618 slugging percentage. And over his last 30 games, he's hitting 276 with a 514 slugging percentage and five home runs over that time period. There's no questioning Castro's power potential. Fangraphs gave him a 60-grade power potential coming into the season. And between AAA and the majors this year, he has 17 home runs now on the season. This is his second home run in the last three games, so he might be getting hot here. But overall, I think this could be the sign of a young player starting to get things going a little bit. If he started August 1st, he has two doubles. Two triples and four home runs, along with two stolen bases, actually. And he's at 317 in the month with a 167 WRC plus and a 603 slugging. He really is starting to show some signs of being a breakout player probably next year, but but still actually having an impact down the stretch, too, if he keeps up. His only flaw is he really hits too many ground balls with a 52.2% ground, uh, ground ball percentage. But he does hit fly balls at a 30.4% rate. While I'd like that number to be higher, he makes the most out of every fly ball he hits, get, as evidenced by his 28.6% home run per fly ball number. So, like I said, he might be more of a player for next year to keep an eye on, but you never know if he's getting hot. He could also be a factor here down the stretch. For the Brewers, Keston Hiro went one for three. He came in for Rowdy Telez after he left with an injury. He hit his 14th home run and had two RBIs. Hiro, it's been what a weird season, despite striking out 41.9% of the time. He's really been pretty good on the season. He's only hitting 242, but he's got a 509 slugging percentage to go with a 346 OBP. He plays most days lately, and when he's playing, he's mashing. He's got 783 slug over his last seven games with four home runs over that time period, and he really is hitting right-handed pitching well. He's batting over 300 against them, and most, I believe, 11 out of his 14 home runs have come against right-handed pitching. His stack has numbers look astronomically good. He's got a 92.5 mile per hour exit velocity with a 16.8 degree launch angle to go around with an astonishing 20% barrel rate and a 47.1% hard hit rate. His ex-WOBA is at 340. So there's some support to see what he's doing is legit. He is hitting the ball in the air 38.8% of the time to go with those stack ass numbers and a pull percentage of 48.2% of the time and a 42.4% home run per fly ball rate. That's just astronomical. When he is hitting the ball in the air, he is hitting it hard and he's hitting it. So some of it seems legit. And it seems like the... We've actually seen even a little small incremental improvements in Hero's plate discipline numbers. I think... You'll never see him have a really genuinely acceptable swing strike rates, but he's got it down almost 5%, down to 18.5%. And he actually, he's got a career low and an O swing percentage at 32.6%. And he's actually saying see career highs in his contact rate is he raises contact rate almost 7% up to 61%. 
and uh, has raised his, his Z contact rate from 61.2% to 70.1%. So he's making uh, better contact, he's making better swing decisions, and he's absolutely demolishing the ball when he hits it. I like Kessling. I think if he's out there in your leagues, you should go pick him up for his power potential as he's been really fantastic lately. Also for the Brewers, Garrett Mitchell hit his first career home run. Congratulations. Going two for two with that home. He was the number four prospect for the Brewers coming into the season, according to Fangraphs. He was noted for having a 60-grade raw power and 70-grade speed, with having an undeveloped hit tool, so to say, coming into the season. Now, he missed a month at the beginning of the season due to an oblique injury, but then he absolutely took off. He hit 277 over 44 games in double-A. And hit 342 over 20 games in AAA. So it seems like that hit tool may be actually coming along a little faster than expected. The weird part is the home run power hasn't quite shown up at any level yet this season. But he does have 16 doubles in 67 games this season across those levels, including the majors. So you have to imagine that the power is coming at, at some point, even if it's not until next season. He might be a player to, to keep an eye on for next year. But if nothing else in the meantime, he has elite speed. He should get playing time every single day. So he could be a good source of stolen bases uh, here down the stretch. For the Angels, Luis Rangifo went one for four with his 11th home run. He's still hitting cleanup, actually, even after Trout came back. And over his last seven games, he's been solid, hitting 258 with two home runs. He's got five RBIs over that time period. He's hit six of his 11 home runs in August. And what he's done is actually increased his fly ball percentage in the month by over 10% to get up to 45.3%. And uh, that's exactly what we want to see if we want to see him start hitting for power there in the cleanup spot. The trade-off has been so far that his pull percentage is down from 42.9% to 28.4%. So if you could ever get those two numbers together, we could really be onto something here. And so that's something you should keep an eye on. But either way, he's got Trout and Otani hitting in front of him and Taylor Ward hitting right behind him. So his counting stats in terms of runs and RBIs could be really valuable the rest of seasons. For the Diamondbacks, Stone Garrett, Went two for five with uh, his second home run on the year. He's a recent call-up. He's only got 23 at-bats on the season, but he has made the most of it. He's absolutely raked. He's got three doubles and two home runs already in just six games. He has been absolutely fires 391 with a 783 slug. It's an incredibly small sample, obviously, but it's hard to get what the long-term feeling is because of that. But he was on no one's prospects list really coming into the season. It's a fantastic story. He actually washed out of baseball in 2020 and actually got back into baseball through LinkedIn. And that's how off the radar he was. But then he came in and this season at AAA, he hit 28 home runs with 15 stolen bases while sporting a 900 OPS down there at AAA. Obviously, it seems like the power and speed are very real, that the skill sets are pretty real there. So I would definitely be looking to add Stone Garrett right now as he is crushing the ball. He's already got two home runs and a stolen base on the season. It could very well help you in both those categories here down the stretch. I mentioned earlier that the Diamondbacks called up Corbin Carroll, and in his first game, he went one for five with two runs scored and two RBIs with a double. Uh, this is his first major league game. Congratulations, Corbin. He's more of an elite hit tool speed player who's noted for his ability to barrel up the ball. He has elite hand-eye coordination. Essentially, Fangraphs rated him as having the best hit tool in the minor leagues, which for top five prospect in all of Major League Baseball, that makes sense. The skills are absolutely real here. Obviously, you never know with a rookie, he might struggle out of the gate, but he's definitely worth a speculative ad because there's a ton of potential here uh, for Corbin Carroll. And finally, to wrap things up here for the hitters, Jock Peterson went one for four with his 19th home run. And Peterson has done, if you listen to me, you picked up Jock Peterson. He has flourished for you here since the last time I was here on the podcast. Over his last seven games, he's hit 348 with a 652 slugging percentage and has hit two home runs over that time. He's done what Jock Peterson does, which is crush right-handed. There's still plenty of right-handed pitching on the docket for Jock Peterson. So don't let him go just yet. Definitely uh, hold on to him for now as he is red hot and doing well against righties here in August. 
Now, moving on from the hitters into the pitchers. This was not a great day for pitching. There was pretty lackluster pitching all around here, so I don't have as much to go over, but there were a few that caught my eye. First off, I want to know for the Padres, Nick Martinez got his seventh save there, and he seems to have really locked down that, that closer role there in San Diego, which makes perfect sense considering he had given up an earned run over his last seven appearances, and over his last 15 appearances, he's given up just one earned run with a 0.94 whip and 15 strikeouts over 18 innings pitch. So he's been really good lately. He's flourished in this closer role here since taking it over. So I definitely go pick up Nick Martinez. I don't think everyone's caught on quite yet. Go pick him up right away uh, if you need the saves help. For the Phillies, Ranger Suarez ran into some trouble. He pitched only 3.2 innings pitched, giving up six runs, but only two of them earned. He walked two and struck out four. This would have looked like a much nicer if there wasn't an error in the fourth inning on a ground ball by Gene Segura that led to four more runs scoring uh, that would have gotten him out. Take the six runs with a grain of the, you know, I mostly look and see that the walks were back down, so he didn't have four walks like he did in his last start, and that reassures me. I'm honestly not worried about this. Obviously, this sort of day is always a bit of a risk when you take into consideration the Philly defense, but for the most part, I'm still trusting Ranger Suarez from here. For the Angels, Jose Suarez, to go to the other Suarez, went six innings pitched, giving up just two earned runs with three walks and six strikeouts. The thing is, this was against the Yankees, so this was against a very good team. If you remember, I recommended not starting on this game, and I feel like a dingbat. This is a really pleasant surprise, really exciting to see him put this, as we've been singing his praises for weeks now, and I think this might honestly be his most impressive start of the season. His changeup was devastating all night. It looked fantastic, but what's really reassuring, what's really exciting is that he got even more whiffs from his slider, and and then his and his four-seamer even actually found success along with his sinker, and when he can be more than just a one-pitch pitcher, when and his changeup isn't the only pitch he has. Jose Suarez can be a really talented pitcher. He just needs some of those other pitchers to start stepping up. So if a slider starts doing much better, and his fastball can even just be a usable pitch, the sky is the limit for him with that changeup. Definitely be looking to pick up Jose Suarez for his next start, especially since he gets the Tigers next. I expect he'll dominate there. For the Twins, Dylan Bundy went for 4.2 innings pitched. Gave up two earned runs, striking out three and walking one. He hasn't allowed more than three earned runs in a start since July 26th. Unfortunately, the hard part is he's not going deep enough in games or getting him strikeouts for it to be worth it unless it's in a really good matchup. He gets the White Sox in his next start, and I think with all of their injuries, uh, I could see that being a pretty good stream, but I'd keep an eye on how healthy their lineup is. Uh, if they get start getting some of those players back, then maybe I would not start him there. Either way, it's a pretty low ceiling start no matter what, just because of the way Bundy pitches. For the Cubs, Javier Assad went five innings pitched, giving up just four hits, walking two and striking out one, giving up no earned runs. So now this is through two career starts for Assad, where he's yet to give up an earned run. He's a spotless so far in his career in the majors, and they're actually against two pretty good teams facing St. Louis and Toronto. The hard part is it's a little hard to buy with a 4.24 FIP and a 6.53 Sierra. I'm still a little skeptical, obviously, and it's such a small sample. Who knows? It could all be pretty random or luck-based or a thousand different things. So obviously keep an eye on Assad as he keeps, if he keeps pitching well, then you need to go pick him up, but there aren't a lot of strikeouts to go with as he had just one in this game, and so it's just hard to know what to make of Assad. He might get Cincinnati next for his next start, and if he does, it could be worth a spot start there, but I think just like Bundy, I think this is probably a pretty low ceiling start either way because of the low strikeout number. For the Dodgers, Michael Grove went 4.2 innings pitched with two earned runs and four strikeouts. This is just like Bundy and Assad. If Grove sticks in the rotation, now that Tony Gonsolin's gone on the injured list, he could be worth streaming at times, but it's going to be pretty low ceiling in those starts. His stuff isn't overwhelming. He doesn't get a ton of strikeouts. 
He gets San Diego next, and I'm not starting there, but keep an eye on him if he does stick in the rotation. Again, he could be a pretty high floor, low ceiling type uh, streamer. Uh, that's all I had from Monday's action. Moving into, before we move on into what I'm looking forward to today, let's take a quick break here so I can catch my breath. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show Welcome back. Uh, now, let's check in actually with Mark Paquette to take a look at the weather. Thank you very much. Well, yesterday we were dodging raindrops in Cincinnati, and that system has moved east. So what we're going to see today is some rain around the nation's capital where they host the athletics. That's the Nationals. And a big matchup in the National League between the Mets and the Dodgers in New York City. That's going to be dodging some raindrops as well. Those are the two games to watch. It does look like it's a pretty active night. Wouldn't be shocked with a postponement, but I'm not expecting one. But those are the games to watch, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Mark. So now let's jump into today. There's a lot of fun baseball going on today. The Orioles are playing the Guardians in Cleveland, and... This is a game that has a ton of playoff uh, implications as the Orioles are, are fighting for playoff positioning and, and a playoff spot as the Guardians are also trying to hold on to their spot there in first place in the Central with the Twins coming on pretty quickly here. So this is a really important game for both these teams coming down the stretch and it should be really fun. The matchup's pretty fun. It's Spencer Watkins going against Cal Quantrill. That should be a pretty fun game there. The Rays are facing the Marlins and that's Shane McClanahan then going against Jesus Lazardo. That should be a really fun pitching matchup. I'm definitely looking forward to that game. And then the Mariners are facing the the Tigers. That gives us George Kirby facing Matt Manning. Those are two young breakout pitchers who are both having fantastic seasons. The Royals are facing the White Sox. This is Brady Singer going against Lucas Giolito. Brady Singer is also having a breakout season here, and I really would love to see if he can keep it up going up against the sort of battered White Sox. Uh, also, the Phillies are facing the Diamondbacks. That's Aaron Nola going with Zach Gallen. That's must-see TV. That's a fun matchup. Those are two fun teams with the Phillies and their monster offense, and then the Diamondbacks with a lot of these young players coming up who are starting to shine. It could just be a really fun game. For the Padres, they're facing the Giants. That's Blake Snell going with Logan Webb. That's a super fun uh, matchup. Logan Webb's an ace. We got second half Blake Snell going on. Could be a really fun game there. And then finally for the Dodgers, they're facing the Mets. That's Andrew Haney versus Taewon Walker. That again is a really fun sort of pitching matchup that I'm looking forward to watching as well with two powerhouse teams going head-to-head. In terms of some hitters I'm looking to stream, I like any of the Brewers I get my hands on against Mitch Keller, so maybe Andrew McCutcheon, Keston Hira, I mentioned Garrett Mitchell, any sort of those hitters I really like against Mitch Keller, who's uh, had a rough season, and any of the Cardinals I can get my hands on against Justin Dunn, so Lars Newbar. Or Brendan Donovan could be a nice pickup if he's out there. Yeah, Corey Dickerson uh, could be a, a nice pickup there as well. So if you're looking for some of my hitters to stream there, I could definitely see going that route against Justin Dunn, who's really struggled in his two starts so far since coming back from injury. 
for some pitchers to stream. So this is going to sound weird because the Orioles are red hot uh, and have been playing fantastic for quite a while now. But Cal Quantrill against the Orioles could be a really interesting stream, primarily because Quantrill has actually been one of the better home pitchers in baseball since coming over to the Guardians in 2020. He has a 2.73 ERA at home there in Progressive Field. And that's coming with a 1.09 whip when at home. So he could end up pitching really well against the Orioles. On the other side of the Cal Quantrill matchup there, I like Spencer Watkins against the Guardians. Their offense has been scuffling lately and has really had a hard time. They're a pretty streaky offense. So when they're, you can catch them on the downside of one of those cold streaks, you, you absolutely can uh, stream against them. And I like Spencer Watkins doing so as he's pitched really well lately. So uh, I like Spencer Watkins against the Guardians. And then finally, Brady Singer. I mentioned him against the White Sox. The White Sox are banged up. They've not been playing well. They really struggled in their series against the Diamondbacks. So I expect Brady Singer will pitch well here uh, against the White Sox. So I would definitely be looking to stream him there. So that's what I'm looking at for today. That's our podcast. Uh, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today. And have a wonderful rest of your Tuesday. Enjoy the baseball today. And, and just be happy and be merry. Thank you so much, everybody. Have a great one. This has been the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList, and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com slash plus.